Good evening, everybody. Praise the Lord. Glad to see y'all, especially y'all that like to get close to the fire. Oh, we like that. Absolutely. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? And let's go ahead and just forget the day. Whatever you got from your day, just throw it behind you because that's where it is. It's behind you now. (laughs) We're going to throw the day behind us and we're going to take these hands and lift them up and praise the Lord tonight. Father, we honor you. We are so blessed and honored to be called sons and daughters of God. And Father, in this place tonight, Father, we are we, we, we come ready, Lord, to, to worship you, to honor you, Lord, to, to go in the direction that you desire to go, to flow in the direction that you desire to flow. And Lord, to, to experience all of the, the, the wonders and the blessing that you have for us tonight. And Lord, to receive instructions that, that we'll be able to take from this place and, and we'll be able to heed those instructions and follow through those on those instructions. And as a result, Lord, we'll see blessings in our life that, that will just amaze us and cause us to stand in awe. And Lord, we'll know that those blessings are directly rooted to obedience to you, Lord, doing it the way you said to do it. And we'll see that it works and it works every time. When we obey you, it works. When we follow you, it works. When we uh, uh, leave our own plans and our own agenda but behind and, and follow the, the path and the direction of the Lord, we'll see how well things work, how they click. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that tonight's the night, Lord, where, where you will go ahead and do everything you want to do. And Lord, where then we'll be receiving of instruction tonight, things that we need to know, things that we need to see that we'll be able to leave this place and, Lord, we'll be able to put it to work in our life. Father, we thank you for it. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Say hey to somebody real quick before you take your seat. Hey. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I know people like have fun with that. Great to see you all tonight. What a blessing to be able to uh, have the honor to break the bread of life with you. And um, we have spent four Wednesday nights so far, two in February and two in March, on the subject of learning the flows of the Holy Spirit, the various flows of the Holy Spirit. And I just got to tell you, uh, not, not that I'm one for... For a long series, but I got to tell you, we just ain't done. <laughs> so we're, we're going to go ahead and dig into this more tonight and uh, see some more aspects of this that, that, that I, I think is going to really be a blessing to you tonight. And we're going to go ahead and trust God to just uh, enlighten our eyes to be able to see things that we need to see, get things we need to get, and be ready for everything he's got for us. Amen. And when I say that, that's not just for you as an individual. This will benefit you as an individual. But a lot of what we've been teaching on the flow of the Spirit is intended for the benefit of the corporate body of the church, for us together. (laughs) It'll bless you as an individual. But I got to add, there's something about the blessing that the, the body gets as we worship together, as we flow together, as we're seeking God together, uh, there's a blessing that, that comes 
when the, 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 uh, when the congregation is flowing with the spirit together. Oh, wow. I tell you, it, it's just amazing. And so let's go ahead and take one more look at the, uh, uh, the, the verses that we've started out on. Um, uh, John chapter 7, 37 to 39, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if any one thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not just one river, rivers, plural. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And then also two other foundational scriptures for what we've been talking about. Ephesians 4 and verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And, and that, that verse that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, we, we understand that that word grieve to mean do not make sorrowful or offend. We don't want to offend him. Oh, no, no, no. As a matter of fact, not in our personal life, not in our decision making, and not in our corporate setting of worship either. We want him to be at home and perfectly pleased with what's going on. Where, 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 where he realizes that we're flowing together with him and not trying to buck up against him. You know, God does not like for people to buck up against him any more than you like it. And you, you especially have a problem with that when you know, not in a, a prideful kind of way, but when you just know, like God knows, that his way is perfect and that there's no better way, no other way to go except his way, no other way that will ultimately work for you than his way. And, and uh, the, the, the Lord is, is saddened at times when somebody or a group of people would just keep on bucking up against him and bucking up against him when he's not meaning to do them anything but good. That's what happened when Jesus stood before the city of Jerusalem and wept over it. And he said, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So one of the first necessities here is to be willing. Just to say, Holy Spirit, I trust you. Holy Spirit, if you say it's that way, then it's that way. If you say we're going that way, then that's the way we're going. I mean, that kind of willingness right there is where it starts. That kind of heart right there is where it starts. Amen. First Thessalonians 5. 16 to 21, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good. And that word quench, of course, we uh, elaborated on that and saw that it means do not extinguish, suppress, or stifle the spirit. So important, so important to not suppress something he wants to do, to not put the, the kibosh on something he wants to do, but to let him do what he wants to do 
in our lives, in our meetings, in any setting that we're in, that the Holy Spirit can have his perfect way. So we talked about multiple flows of the Spirit over the course of these weeks. We talked about the power of the Lord being present to heal. We talked about that when God's so good and you just can't stand anymore. We talked about uh, the, the scriptures that have to do with what we call falling under the power of the Spirit. We talked about how unity is a big key to the flow of the Spirit. Such a big key. As a matter of fact, uh, if the place of unity allows the anointing oil to flow, then where there's not unity, there's a blockage to the oil flowing. I don't want any blockage to the oil flowing. I need the oil flowing. How about you? <laughs> hey, we need the oil flowing. And unity is a very, very big key to the oil of the Holy Spirit being able to flow freely. We talked about times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Talked about uh, that, that sense of refreshing as being cooling, a, a recovery of breath. And then we talked about that wonderful word, revival. And we saw who revival was for. That God himself said who revival was for over in the book of Isaiah where he said that, that uh, I dwell in the high and the holy place, but I dwell with them who are of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So somebody who comes to God with a spirit of humility, is you are ripe for revival. You are ripe to be able to receive the, the breath of God blowing into you and reviving in you. Even, uh, dare I say it, even things that have seemed to have been dead in you for a long time. Things that were just forgotten about. Maybe stifled or you thought there ain't no chance of that. Or, or, or maybe dreams that, that may have died. And, and things that you were so convinced God had for your life. But you let it die and you gave up on it. But when God breathes on something. Hey, come on now. When God breathes on something. Or when God breathes on someone. Life comes. In the same way that Ezekiel's boneyard, those bones came together and sinews came together and muscles came together. And what was just spread out deaths became a mighty army in the same way. When God breathes on you with the breath of revival, things that once were dead now come alive again. Glory to God forever. We talked about the flow of preaching and teaching. And also the flow of prayer. And, uh, and you know, in some of these sessions, you just start talking about flowing. And guess what? The, the flower shows up. <laughs> the master flower shows up and, and just directs the, where we're going right in the middle of where we're going. And he's welcome to do that anytime because this is not about us or any of our plans. This is about him and his plans. But I believe that's something we need to hit tonight as we really focus into our uh, uh, target for tonight is really talking about various New Testament expressions of worship. 
And I say New Testament because we, we want to go ahead and use the New Testament as our base. There, there's a whole lot of, I mean, we're, we're not, uh, certainly not against the Old Testament, but you know what covenant you're under. We know that this week we're celebrating the fact that Jesus, hallelujah, established the new and everlasting covenant. And he established that with the breaking of his own body and the shedding of his own blood. So thank God for that. And what we're doing is we're not disregarding the old, but we're just prioritizing the fact that we are in a new covenant. And the, and, and the new covenant is called in the book of Hebrews a better covenant. Which means if it's better, then you get all the good stuff that the old one had and more. Hey, <laughs> Otherwise, it wouldn't be better. If you got less than what the old covenant had, that certainly wouldn't be better. To be better, that means you get all the good stuff that they had and more. Are you glad you're under this new and everlasting covenant? So that's why when I say New Testament expressions of worship, I'm emphasizing that intentionally so that we're, we're going to see that there's at least something in the New Testament that, that, that demonstrates that or states that regarding these expressions of worship. How about singing? Does anybody here like to sing to the Lord? Whether you're a shower singer or a stage singer, that doesn't matter. If you sing to the Lord, hallelujah. And you know what? You don't have to just sing a song that you know. Isn't it great to just sing out of your heart to the Lord? Oh, we'll go there in a minute. Come on. But, but look first at this. And look at the timing of when you can sing to the Lord, especially at, at, at times when it looks like it's all going south. That's what Paul and Silas did in Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, you see, but at midnight. Now, it was literally midnight, but for you it might be figuratively midnight. But it matters not whether it's midnight the time or midnight the feeling or, or midnight the situation. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. What ultimately happened when they got to praising, they got to singing, God started tapping his foot and there was an earthquake. Come on. And the, the, the prison house was shaken and everybody's bonds were loosed as a result of praying and uh, uh, praying and singing praises to God. Hallelujah. How about this? Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Hallelujah. Speaking to one another in psalms, and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now you can sing a hymn. You know, we, we've got some wonderful hymns in the church. As a matter of fact, we've got hymns in the church in, in our day that they did not have in their day. 
But I, I got to think that there would have been moments where Paul would have saying, great is thy faithfulness. Are you with me on that? Because he'd have got to reflecting on some of the things that God's done and some of the ways God's brought them through. And then he'd break into something else and say, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Oh, come on, you can go there with me. It doesn't take much to prime the pump here. And when, when you just get into a mode of being focused on the Lord rather than on the stuff. You see, Paul and Silas, they were, they were in a mess. Their backs were bleeding. And they're thrown into this dark, dirty, rat-infested prison. And they, they don't have any kind of treatment for their backs. They're just thrown in there as raw as they were. And in the middle of that absolutely horrific situation, what did they do? They sang. Hallelujah. And I got to tell you, you know, you can sing a hymn. You, you can sing a, a, a spiritual song. You know, there, there's times where you can just go ahead and start singing something right out of your own heart to the Lord, right on the spot. And I got to tell you, I believe in that. Oh, I, you know, just in, in the middle of a situation where, where you go ahead and, and you get the mail and you see that there's a bill there with numbers that are higher than you would really like to see. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Ever been there? And you can just break out in the song and say, I see numbers on this bill. And those numbers are pretty high. But no matter how high the numbers are, there's no high like the most high. And what are you doing? You are singing out of your heart and you are addressing a situation. And you are really saying, there's no God as big as mine. You're really saying, that, uh, hey, uh, you uncircumcised Philistine that sent me this bill. <laughs> Let me tell you a thing or two. My God has already delivered me from that, that $100 bill. And he already delivered me from that $500 bill. And you are next in line, Goliath. Come on. But, but that, what a moment. When, when the enemy would cause you to think that, that the, the reaction at that moment would be to dread and worry. Why not sing? Hallelujah. You know, the scripture talks about 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Glory to God. And we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our last session. And we had about five people here that came down and, and, and received the Holy Spirit that night. It was a beautiful night. But I got to tell you this. In the same way that you can speak in other tongues, you can sing in other tongues. You can sing in the Spirit. And in the understanding also. And what a glorious opportunity it is to be able to just go ahead and turn your spirit loose. And be able to go ahead and get some things out in the atmosphere. You know what? It's sometimes it's good to do some house cleaning. 
People talk about spring cleaning right now. Hey. But how about some house cleaning in the spirit where I'm not going to allow a spirit of heaviness around me. I'm not going to allow a, a spirit of, of worry about stuff or dread about stuff. No, I'm going to go ahead. We're going to have joy in this atmosphere. We're going to have peace in this atmosphere. And with my mouth and with the song of my heart, I'm going to go ahead and grab a hold of that steering wheel and turn the ship around. That concept is scriptural. Because then you know that James said in chapter 3 of his book that the tongue is like the rudder of the ship. So if the ship's going the wrong direction, grab a hold of the rudder, turn the ship around. How do you do that? With the words that you speak, the words that you declare, the words that you sing, however they are manifesting God's word in your mouth. What an opportunity to turn the ship around. And if it looks like the ship's going the wrong direction, hallelujah, get your song on. Say, well, it don't look like I got anything to sing about. That's when you sing even more. Because we are faith people. We don't care if it doesn't look like there's anything to sing about. That's when we sing extra. Because God does not change. His word doesn't change. His character does not change. So I'm just going to go ahead and sing like he is the way he's always been. Like, like, like he's exactly what I thought he was when he first, when I first met him. He's not any different. He's not any less good, less kind, less compassionate. I'm going to go ahead and just sing about him like I just met him and fell in love with him. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So that's saying. How about lifting up hands? You know, there's something so beautiful about this. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Yeah, without wrath. And without doubt. Because it's the, it's the position of surrender. See, some people lift up their hands with a spirit of wrath when they say, I give up. But that's with wrath. That, that's with frustration. And, and a lot of times with doubting. I don't know what else to do. As opposed to say, Lord, here I am, and I give you everything that's going on in me, everything in my life. I worship you. I honor you. I withhold nothing from you. I absolutely surrender myself to you. I surrender my head to you, my heart to you, my attitudes to you, everything going on in me, I surrender. No wrath, no doubting, just worship and surrender. Hallelujah. I tell you, that puts you in a good position for God to get a hold of things and, and work with you and work out things that need to be worked out, get things done that need to be done. Amen. Amen. Psalm 141 verse 2 says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, there's another place in the Psalms where... Uh, uh, 
It says, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Something about the lifting up of your hands. You know, it's the posture of, of surrender, but, but it's also the posture of uh, uh, having a focus that's not on things on your left or on your right or, or things that are down here on the earth. It's an upward posture because you focus on him and you focus on what he's got for you and what he's looking to do in your life. Hallelujah. Can somebody lift your hands to him just for a minute right now? Say, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We honor and worship you tonight. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And, and, and you know, if you get to a point in service and you don't know what to do, you can always lift up your hands. You can always lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Stand in awe of his majesty. Stand in awe of his beauty. Stand in awe of his goodness. Yeah, hallelujah. Well, let's have a little fun with this. How about leaping and dancing? Someone said, we don't do that in my church. Well, if this is your church, you need to become... uh, uh, more, more flexible in the spirit, shall we say? <laughs> yeah. What about leaping and dancing, a physical expression of joy? What does the Bible have to say about it? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know that John the Baptist, when the angel Gabriel appeared to his father, Zechariah, and talked to him about his son, one of the things he said about his son is that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Very specific. That the child would be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Hey. And then Luke one forty one, when uh, Mary and Elizabeth had their visit together, it says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting that God told Zechariah, and you can look at it earlier in the chapter. I didn't give it to the booth to put it up there, but it's a same chapter, verses 13 to 15. You can see that where, where the angel said that, that your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And Mary, who is carrying Jesus inside of her, says hi to Elizabeth. And at that very moment, this Holy Ghost-filled baby in her belly, woo, leaps. And it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Got a little transfer from that son Jesus carrying because he was filled with the Holy Spirit too. Isn't that amazing? So we, we, we don't often think in these terms but, but the, the idea uh, of what can be expressions of worship that, that, that would be in the, the flow of the Spirit at certain times when he wants to do something a certain way. See, we, we need to realize all the different varieties of his flow. Otherwise, you know, because the, there are some churches, you know, uh, 
if I can use this term, you ever heard the term one trick pony? It's not that God doesn't want to do something in a variety of ways. They just chose the one way they're going to let him do something in their church. And if it's not that way, it ain't happening. And if the Lord came and wanted to do something different, Lord, that ain't the way we do things here. We cannot in any way afford to be like that. We cannot in any way afford to say, Lord, we don't do it like that here. As a matter of fact, Tony Cook, a minister that we have loved and appreciated and has ministered here on a lot of occasions, has said that the last words of a dying church is, we've never done it that way before. Hey. So what what about leaping for joy? Scriptural precedent. Luke chapter 6. 22 says, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. Jesus said it at a time when men hate you, when they're excluding you, when they're reviling you and they're casting out your name as evil. As a matter of fact, when, when, when they're doing something to soil your good reputation, how should we react to that? Jesus said, leap for joy. Hallelujah. Here's an interesting verse. I want to read this to you. This is not anything that we have up on the screen. But I want you to write it down and be able to look at it later. And also, um, if you got your phone or your iPad, you got you version, I know you can probably find this translation in there. This is Psalm 89.16 out of the Passion Translation. Psalm 89.16 out of the Passion Translation. And it says this. We can do nothing but leap for joy all day long. For we know who you are and what you do. And you've exalted us on high. Glory to God. Meditate on that a minute. I won't have to teach the rest of this. Y'all just have a fit on your own. We can do nothing but leap for joy all day long. For we know who you are and what you do, and you've exalted us on high. Hallelujah. How many of you remember what happened in Acts chapter 3 with the lame man at the gate? Uh, Starting with verse 6 there. Then Peter said to him, so so this man was laying at the gate, uh, begging, asking for alms. Peter said, I don't have any change on me today. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. 
and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with the temple and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Hallelujah. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Did Jesus ever do anything like that? You know, Luke chapter 10, verse 21 says this. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Now, that word rejoice really means to exalt, E-X-U-L-T, not exalt, two different words. You know, exalt like I exalt you, oh Lord. No, that's not it. This is exalt, E-X-U-L-T. Or to rejoice exceedingly or to be exceedingly glad. Exaltation is different from exaltation. To exalt is to uh, feel or show triumphant elation and jubilation. How many of you would like more opportunities to do that? To go ahead and show triumphant elation or jubilation. Well, there's one problem. One reason why you don't do it more often is that you're waiting for certain things to happen and fall into place. And you say, when this all happens and falls into place, well, I'm going to really praise the Lord that day. You know how much faith is in that? Nada. Zip zero nada. <laughs> Say, when God comes through with this, well, I'm going to have me a praise party. I'm going to leap. I'm going to run. I'm going to shout when God gets this done. And what's happening is that you, you say, when, when, when God gets this done, when God gets this done. And it's always pushing it off into the future, into some future time. As opposed to say, wait a minute. What if I believe that right now, based on the, the word of God and the fulfilled promise of that word and my faith in that word, that I can act right now like it's done. Not be waiting for some kind of special time when I get to see it. And when I see it, then I'll rejoice. Oh boy, can we go somewhere? I, uh, whoever's running the scriptures tonight, I just want to jump ahead on something. Not too far ahead, but I think it's worth going right there right now. Oh Lord. Let's see. I know what I want to do. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's not even in there, but I, I got to go there. I need you to see this. 
First Peter 1, if we can go there, 7 and 8. First Peter 1, 7 and 8. And if you can't get there fast enough, then I, I, I you know, y'all still got Bibles and iPads and things like that. Yeah. So First Peter 1, 7 and 8, we got it. All right. So let's see. Uh, uh, can, can I have the New King James on that? And I want to start with verse 7. There we go. Whom having not seen. All right, that, that's fine. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Next verse. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. Again, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. Though now you do not see that perfect scenario, that perfect breakthrough, that, that perfect outcome that you are looking for and, 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 and uh, believing God for, yet believing, you rejoice. You know you got to be believing when you rejoice about something that you don't see. But one of the great things about joy is that when you rejoice and, and when you get into the mode uh, of really getting in, in, into uh, the, the spirit of praise and the spirit of rejoicing and, and you get a leap on and you get a little dance on, praise the Lord. What, what, what's going on? You are acting like something that you do not see yet really has come to pass. You are acting like something that you have not seen yet is just as good as seen and just as good as done. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. And how do you rejoice? With joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy inexpressible, which means this. It's joy that... To, to which words are inadequate. That's what inexpressible means. To which words are inadequate. So I'm so joyful that my words are inadequate. So I need some other expression to get this joy out. That's when you may leap or that's when you may get your dance on. That's when you may just... Want to do cartwheels. I don't know what you want to do, but, 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 but it is a moment when you say, glory to God forever. Look at, look at what he's done. I can't see it. What has he done for you? Say, no, no, this is as good as done. Uh, it is really? Yeah. Don't you see it? You see, because it's so real to you because you're seeing it with the eyes of your faith. People may not understand why you're so excited about it because they can't see it. But you got eyes beyond these eyes. 
If you're only living by these eyes, you need to live above sea level, somebody. <laughs> you need to live above sea level and start seeing things with the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit. See things done even when they don't look done, naturally speaking. Glory to God. And you rejoice. You rejoice, you rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forever. Now, interesting, we were talking about Jesus there rejoicing in spirit. Do you know that one translation of that says, uh, Yeshua jumps for joy in spirit. Imagine Jesus getting that happy. Where Jesus, whoa, jumped for joy in the spirit. Because he was so excited and so rejoicing about something that was accomplished and something for which he was giving God thanks. You see, the kingdom of God is a culture of joy. Hey, Romans 14, 17 says it well. For the kingdom of God is not uh, eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, um, interesting, the emphasis that Jesus put on joy, especially when it came to a sinner repenting. Jesus talked in Luke chapter 15 about the, uh, the lost sheep. And, and, and the shepherd finds the sheep. And he says, rejoice with me. Because the sheep that was lost, I'm now found. And Jesus said that uh, there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Then he talked about the woman who had lost a coin in her house. And she's going up, down, side to side, sweeping every corner till she finds it. And when she finds it, what does Jesus say? Come, rejoice with me. And once again, he said that there's joy in heaven over one sin that repents, over one sinner that repents. And then what does he say next? He talks about what we know as the parable of the prodigal son. And when that prodigal son comes home, what goes on there? Now, uh, my son was dead. Now he lives. He was lost and now he's found. Go ahead, get the fatted calf and slay that thing. We're going to have a party tonight. And so what happens? They start to be merry. The older son is attracted to what's going on at the house because he hears the sound of music and dancing. And what's it all about? It's all about rejoicing over a sinner who was lost coming home. Now, if you rejoice that much over a, uh, another person who was lost and is now, phone, now found and comes home to, to be with the father in his house, how excited would you be about your own salvation? your own story, you being the one 
that once was lost and now is found. Uh, you, you know, uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, he said, don't just re rejoice because uh, uh, the uh, the demons are subject to you because remember he sent them out and they were performing signs and wonders. They came back and said, Lord, look what's going on. Even the devil's got to listen to us now. <laughs> and Jesus said, don't rejoice over that. I'm going to tell you what to rejoice for. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so I say to you tonight, if you can't think of anything else to rejoice about, if you can't think about anything else to leap about, to dance about, to shout about, can you think of this, that I once was lost, now I'm found. I once was bound for hell, and now I know that when I leave this body, I'm going to the presence of the Lord, and I'm not going to hell. If you can't find anything else to rejoice for, that right there, that'll keep you busy for eternity. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, some of us need a, a, a fresh dose of appreciation for just that fact right there. Hmm. You know, the, the psalmist wrote, Psalm 51, verse 20. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. That's the, the King James wording there. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Something about that moment in time when it's like, ah, that joy. You know, you, you, you didn't have to stir it up as much when you first came into the kingdom. You were excited to be saved and you wanted every person you knew and every bug on the sidewalk to know you were saved. And there's something about not letting that go but having that same joy of his salvation restored to you and being upheld with his free spirit. I love that wording because it reminds me of some things that the scripture says in the New Testament, one being this, that the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Oh, come on. We're talking about flowing with him. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So you might not be one prone to emotional outbursts. But I got to tell you, if God's flowing in a direction, if God's flowing in a direction, and if he's prompting you in that direction, don't stifle him. Don't stifle him. Don't suppress that. Because if we're really serious about this, that means, Lord, I, I, I just kind of stand and clap like this and I raise my hand like this and that's kind of what I do. 
So don't mess with my dignification, Lord, please. Well, you might as well put a target on your back because you know he's going to want to mess with you then. <laughs> you might as well say, come and get me, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm having fun with y'all tonight. Glory to God. But, but, but do you see this? You, you see, we can't have, oh, all right, well, Lord, uh, uh, I'm willing to flow here and flow there, but that's not my flow. See, you can't pick and choose the flow. This is his flow. And if he flows in a certain way, don't, don't go trying to swim the other direction. Flow with him. Go with him. That's what this whole message from the very beginning is about. And you do that in times of where, where there's exuberance and, and joy and leaping. But you also do that when it comes to more reverent moments too. When it comes to kneeling and bowing before him. Moments of reverence. Like Romans 14, 11, Where it says, For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Of course, we know Philippians 2 that says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then Ephesians 3.14 where Paul begins his beautiful prayer there and he says, For this reason I bow my knees to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. See, there's some people that like that hyped up flow. They, they like that jumping flow. And there are some people that like the still and the quiet flow. But here's the thing. Our job is not to pick and choose our favorite flow. Our job is to say, Lord, do the thing that is necessary to be done. The flow that is necessary to accomplish what you desire to accomplish in a given service, in a given setting. And then, then when you have that kind of heart, and, and, and we as a uh, community of believers gathering together have that same heart, that just sets the atmosphere for God to do the things that he wants to get done. And then we just flow with him. And, uh, you know, um, we'll skip over Acts 20. But uh, take a look at this, T talking about moments where you just fall down before him and worship. You, you know that happened with the wise men, the magi? It says when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshipped him. This was not a leaping moment. There are leaping moments. But this was a fall down and worship moment. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we celebrate that this week. He fell on his face 
and prayed, Oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. A leper came to Jesus, fell on his face, and implored him. said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, of course I'm willing. Be clean. But what's the spirit of this? It's falling down before him. Jesus, God the Son, did that before God the Father. The leper that we were just talking about came and fell down, face down, before Jesus. See, there's holy moments of joy and exuberance. And yet at the same time, there's holy moments of stillness and even silence. You know that uh, uh, leading up to this, uh, Revelation uh, 7, and we're not going to the verse yet, so don't put it up just yet. Uh, uh, Revelation 7 talks about uh, the, the saints that are there crying out with a loud voice. So you got uh, great multitudes that no one could number and every one of them crying out with a loud voice. That has to be pretty loud. And then you've got angels that fall down before the throne and they're making declarations of the greatness of God before the throne. So you've got loud saints and then you've got Angels that are bound before the throne, declaring things before the throne. And then what do you have? You have Revelation 8.1, which says this. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. 